You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Heller. Uh, lots to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, one specific potential replacement for JT Romuto. We're going to talk about um, the needs at general manager, the needs at pitching coach, um, and a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ty Dobbert. Ty, what's going on? Not much. Uh, you know, World Series game one went on last night. A little bit of a disappointment. Dodgers broke that one open pretty well. It's not exactly looking like it will be the closest series. I know things can change. It's just one game. But the Dodgers are. Their lineup's so good. They're going to put runs up on almost anybody. It feels like so, you know, just enjoying the postseason, enjoying the World Series. We'll talk about that a little bit more. There's some, you know, Phillies legends playing in this World Series that we'll have to talk about. Uh, but other than that, not much going on. I'm excited to get into everything this episode. Yeah, before we dive in, I, I do have one question because um, it's been something people have been talking about on Twitter a lot. Um, there was an article about Scott Boris's take on it yesterday in the New York Times. Um, what do you, how do you feel about the neutral site World Series, uh, the idea that, that Major League Baseball might stick with it moving forward? Do you have any, any take either way? Yeah, I think it's awful. It's terrible. Like the current World Series, it's practically a home series for the Dodgers anyway, because the fans, the fans that are, that are there, which we don't have to get into that. That's completely ridiculous. Uh, I guess I am getting into it a little bit. There's no reason for there to be fans um, that are in there. Did, did it not just seem a little bit ridiculous to honor the the to honor our you know our heroes in the medical field uh, before the first game of the World Series and then have them be surrounded by thousands of fans? It just felt ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think there should be fans. Um, but I, I also agree, like, moving forward, uh, I, like, I, it shouldn't be, like, Bor- I think Scott Boris's take, it was an article in the New York Times by, by Tyler Kevin, it was like, it makes it more like the Super Bowl. I don't think baseball should want that. I think there's there's something about, um, you know, the when, when the home team wins the World Series, the, the crowd going wild. And then last year when the when the away team wins the World Series, just like the, the silence of the crowd. I, I love that. I don't, yeah, I don't, it shouldn't be some like corporate event like the Super Bowl has become that only I mean, I guess it's trending this way that only, you know, big companies can afford to purchase all the tickets. That's how it really is with the Super Bowl. I'm assuming that World Series tickets have gotten more expensive, but it, it definitely should be the home, the home crowds being able to see their teams. Who knows when we'll ever uh, even get back to a point when full stadiums will be filled with home fans, but whenever that happens, uh, that needs to be the case for the World Series, I think. Agreed. Um, so moving into our first topic of the day, uh, you know, if the Phillies don't re-sign JT Romuto, they will need to sign a catcher. I don't think they, d- despite how Andrew Knapp played this year, they don't want him to be the starting catcher uh, next season. Um, and one of, one of the potential free agents that the Phillies could target is Yadier Molina. Um, so the first thing 
Um, you know, looking at looking at the other potential guys, it's Mike Zunino, uh, James McCann. How how do you think uh, Molina ranks among those guys? I think he's probably around second, third of the free agent catchers not named JT Real Muto. I think teams would probably value James McCann over him. Um, and then he's probably in a, a similar range with somebody like Zanino and Kurt Suzuki's maybe just a little bit behind both of them. The, the real issue with Molina is that he is getting older. Um, and he's been around for what feels like forever. So, you know, that's kind of the concern with the JT Real Muto contract that we've uh, voiced before. Catchers don't typically age super well. And banking on an, an older catcher just doesn't feel like doesn't feel like the safest bet for a team that uh, will probably want some some definite value out of their catcher. Yeah, I mean the, the counterpoint to the catchers don't age well thing is that Yadi Rolina is 37 years old and he was still, you know, starting. Um, he played 42 games this year, he played 113 games last year. And and um, you know, he, he's not hitting as well as he used to, but he's still uh, one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Um, and there's definite value there, like you said. Um, and, and I agree, uh, like McCann is, is probably the, the top guy outside of Real Muto, but I would not be surprised at all if, if, if Molina was the guy um, to replace Real Muto because he's like, I think when teams evaluate catchers, I think defense is the most important thing. I think building relationships with the pitching staff is the most important thing. And I think that is something that um, Molina always gets a ton of credit for. A lot of good pitching staffs in, in St. Louis, he's gotten some of the credit for that. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I get your point, the fact that he is older and has still been playable, but there's got to be the point where he does fall off the cliff, I would, I would think. And uh, if I was the Phillies, I don't know if I would want to take, take the bet that, um, you know, this year or next year is not the year that he, that he does kind of tail off because I think 37, 38, around that, uh, that's just getting a little bit risky for a catcher with so many, uh, you know, so many miles under him, so to speak. Yeah, and so his agent, um, Melvin Roman, told John Heyman um, of MLB Network that uh, Molina is seeking a two-year deal. Um, under any circumstance, if you were the Phillies, would you give um, Molina, who's going to be 38 next year, would you give him a, a two-year deal? Um, maybe one in a team option or an incentive based kind of thing. If, if he reaches a certain amount of, of games played or played appearances or whatever, then maybe, uh, the, the second year kicks in, but you know, ca older catchers get hurt. Any catcher really does, uh, gets hurt. We've even seen it with JT Real Muto over the last couple of years, even the best catchers, uh, the ones that are, that play a lot of games and are typically dur durable they tend to get hurt. It's just kind of the na nature of the position. So, you know, giving him a two-year deal at his age, I, I think would just be really risky. Maybe if he, um, if he signs that kind of, a, uh, that kind of incentive-based deal where if he reaches a certain amount of games played or whatever it is, then the second year kicks in, it means he's healthy and should be good to go going forward. I think that could work, but just a straight up two-year deal, I think is a little bit too much of a risk for, for that player. 
I agree. And, and he's coming off a three-year, $60 million deal. Um, I think he's he's definitely going to take a pay cut. Uh, no one's giving him near near that uh, annual value on his yeah, contract. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to yeah. have a choice <laughs> no, about the no, pay he's, cut. He's, he's got, getting a pay cut. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he's just, I, I just think he's definitely someone uh, to watch uh, with the Phillies this offseason. Um, so our next topic uh, we're going to talk about is, is we're going we're gonna to dive into the GM search a little bit. So um, some news that came out this week first, uh, John Morosi of MLB.com and John Hannon both linked the Phillies to JJ Bicolo, uh, who is, I think he's the vice president of the Royals. Um, he's done a lot of like player development there. He was, he's been there since before the, the World Series run. Um, in 2015 uh do you have any thoughts on Piccolo I mean um they, they had a pretty decent homegrown core in 2015 it wasn't wasn't the greatest um that team built a strong bullpen that's for sure Phillies could use something like that uh but yeah I mean if, if he's kind of like a scouting guy a player development guy that core did develop some good players um you know you look at Hosmer, you look at uh, Gordon Perez, like so they had some good players. They they brought in some some guys from the outside for that World Series run. You look at Zobrist and Cueto, and they made it work. If the if the Phillies would would bring them in, I think there, I think there are some similarities just in the fact that uh, that that they kind of do have a core, and it feels like. They, they just need a couple extra pieces. Now the big difference is the, the bullpens uh, between the 2015 Royals and the 2020 going into 2021 Phillies, very different, but I do think that both of those teams are, uh, you know, if they're going to compete, they're going to need some homegrown guys to really help them out. Uh, the Phillies have, uh, they've been a little more willing to spend than the Royals really ever have, but but still, like any team, you, you need your homegrown players to um, to give you a lot of value. And I think if you you have somebody who can who can scout and, and bring in the right players, I, I think that's a good it's a good recipe for success. And they, it looks like they have a, another good crop of players coming up. Um, you know, you look at Wit; they brought in Solaire and some other names that uh, I'm obviously forgetting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But there's some other names that I'm forgetting, obviously. But uh, they, they they've been run pretty well for the most part. I would I would think so. Haven't been super successful the last couple of years, but it looks like they might be getting back to it with their uh, with another young core. So I don't know. It's tough to t- to say who exactly does what for every organization. But um, if you're bringing somebody in like that who has good player development roots, I don't think that would I don't think that would be a bad choice for the Phillies. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing you talked a little bit about like scouting and player development, uh, like I think at, at this point, John Middleton is, is sure. Like obviously long-term really matters. Like building a, a long-term team is going to matter a lot, but also um, like John Middleton doesn't, that, that takes a while, like scouting, developing players. That's, that doesn't happen right away. And I think, John Middleton is also going to want, want to bring someone in too, who can like kind of get things going right away. Um, so whether that's like, you know, 
being a little more creative in free agency and trades and, and that kind of stuff. I don't know if Piccolo brings that to, ta- to the table. Maybe Middleton's not even worried about that. Um, but I, I do think it's something to consider when, when the Phillies have this core that they, that they currently do. Um, some other, other uh, people mentioned by John Heyman, um, some retreads, Dan Duquette, who uh, was the GM for the Expos in the 90s, um, Red Sox, early 2000s, and then um, the Orioles right before their, their playoff runs in the mid-2010s, mid, uh, and then uh, Ned Coletti, who was the, the Dodgers GM um, in the, the early 2000s till I think he was fired in 2014. Any thoughts on those guys? I don't really have any, any thoughts on them, to be honest. Uh, I think kind of that older, a little bit older school train of thought, I know they're not, um, you know, they, they're, those guys aren't really anti-analytics or anything, but um, they're not really the new cutting age kind of GMs that you would think of. I think that might just be where the Phillies go. Um, but going back to a point you made about maybe John Middleton wants to get creative in how they operate in free agency. If they want to get creative and they really want to make this team good, the most creative thing you can do is just literally outspend every other team. And it would make your, it would make your team good. Even if you just offered huge one-year deals and for one year, you just went way over the luxury tax, you could probably sneak under the next year and it would make your team good enough um, for at least one year. That's how, that's how you get creative in free agency. Uh, I think when, when people think of it, they, they think of trying to underpay players and sure it works sometimes. Uh, look at Tampa Bay right now. If you can find players that, that uh, are good and you can pay them less than what they're probably worth, that works sometimes, but the safest bet is just finding really good players and paying them a, more money than any other team will give them. You'll have to spend money for it, but it will make your team good. It's really not that complicated. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the biggest market inefficiency right now in baseball is that no one's willing to spend money. Um, and that's, that's not only for players right now. There are a lot of scouts um, and like really smart scouts and analytics you know, staff and, and those kind of guys who have been um, let go by, by teams throughout the league over the past six months. So just like being willing to spend a little money and, and scoop those guys up and, and like you said, um, sign a, t- a bunch of guys, even if it's for one season. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a way to um, take advantage of the fact that no one else uh, is, is really willing to spend. Um, yeah. So uh, moving on um, the other day, kind of a shocker, Brian Price uh, announced that he's, he's stepping down from the pitching coach position. Um, it did not have to do with the bullpen. It had to do with family. I don't think anyone would have blamed him if it had to do with the bullpen, but it had to do with family, which obviously you have to respect that. Um, so, so first I wanted to start, do you have any, just any names in mind that you think the Phillies should look at to, to replace him at pitching coach? Not really from outside of the organization. I think that Dave Lundquist, who I believe is their assistant pitching coach, he had been a minor league pitching coach. I think he could be an internal option. And then, Maybe Aaron Fultz, who has been a, who's been a minor league pitching coach in their organization, he would get promoted to assistant or something like that, or maybe he just sticks around in the minor leagues. But I, I think there's a chance that that um, 
Bev Lundquist might just be the pitching coach. They've had a lot of pitching coaches recently. Each of the last four seasons, I think, they've had a new pitching coach. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of, lot of buzz around Brian Price coming in, that he was going to come in and fix the Phillies. And the starting staff pitched really well this year. But uh, the pitching coach doesn't only deal with the starting pitchers. And there are a lot – I know it was the short season, a small sample size, a super weird season, and, and players just pitched bad. But basically almost every reliever regressed really hard, like really, really hard. And I don't know if you can blame that on Brian Price. You probably can't. Like, if you're just pitching bad, you're pitching bad. But uh, they – more Phillies pitchers regressed than progressed, I would say, this year, just because of how bad that bullpen was. And I don't know if you can – you definitely can't pin that all on Brian Price, but maybe uh, maybe bringing in another pitching coach will help them figure out some of these bullpen problems because there were a lot of relievers. I, I know that people like to say, oh, the Phillies relievers were so bad, and they were this year, but there were guys with – track records and histories of being pretty reliable that were completely the opposite this season you look at Heath Henry you look at Phelps you look at Workman like these are and even Eris you look at you look at pitchers that have been good throughout their careers and they were mostly pretty awful for the Phillies it's just kind of kind of crazy to see (laughs) that it was the story of the season those those pitchers not being able to get any outs in in big spots yeah, um, a, a guy I, I had in mind, um, uh, Ruben Niebla, just, just, you know, like, I don't know where the Phillies are going to go, if they're going to find someone who's been a, a major league pitching coach before or, or uh, something else. So someone who I hadn't, I thought the Phillies should have looked at last offseason, even uh, Ruben Niebla, who was the, the Indian, Cleveland Indians um, minor league pitching coordinator for, for years. He was credited with... Um, pretty much giving Kluber his two-seamer um, in the middle of a game, which is kind of a crazy story. Um, but, you know, now he's the – I think he's the assistant pitching coach with the major league team. But you look at the, the constant, constant talent that they've, they've been able to churn out um, and starting pitchers and even relievers, um, a lot of the credit has been given to him. And I think that, like, a, a team like the Phillies should try to bring someone like that in um, – because the, the Phillies player development in general has not been a strong suit and, and having a guy who's known to, you know, build good relationships with young pitchers and, and really uh, bring out the best in them, even though like, like, you know, Shane Bieber and Aaron Swally, these aren't guys who were like uh, top prospects. They just kind of came out of nowhere. And I think that um, finding those, those types of guys um, is what smart organizations do. Um Another thing, so Bryce Harper tagged Scott Brown on Instagram. Scott Brown, who's the current pitching coach at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, he Walker Bueller went to Vanderbilt. Um, there are a couple of guys on Vanderbilt now. Kumar Rocker, um, Al Leiter Jr. No, Jack Leiter. Jack Leiter. Sorry. Jack Leiter. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if um, the Phillies would hire – hire a coach straight from college. I don't know if they go that route or if they could, they, you know, hire a rice ridge. Like it could really go either way, you know, sinker never sleeps. So. Yeah. The, um, the 
college pitching coach right to MLB that has happened with um I believe it's Wes Johnson on the Twins. Their their pitching coach. Uh, he was a pitching coach at Arkansas, and then in 2018 they brought him right to the Twins, and they've been pretty successful since then. They've had a good team, and uh, so so it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. But I think they probably do go the old school route. It seems to be their mo as of late. Yeah, the, the Mets the Mets pitching coach from last year. He keeps the the old school kind of pitch counter on them. It's what you like to see. Uh, oh man, that would be, that would be hilarious. It's not going to happen, but I think they go with somebody a little more old school rather than, um, you know, a fresher face out of a college organization, out of a college program. Um, I don't think it'll be Ray Searage, but I think it'll be somebody a little bit more old school because, you know, you saw it with the manager. You saw it with, uh, with, Chris Young, the pitching coach, when these new school type of things don't work out, teams will look a little old school, older school to try to figure it out. So I think that's probably what they do uh, because they did see a lot of positive things out of their starting rotation, especially. Um, they'll look for somebody a little, little more older school like Brian Price supposedly was. Yeah. Um... So uh, moving on, next thing we wanted to talk about, um, just, you know, the Braves were obviously eliminated from the uh, NLCS in game seven against the Dodgers the other day. So no more NLCS teams in the playoffs. Um, so just kind of the outlook of, of the division moving forward. Um, I think that the Braves are, you know, far and away the, the, the best team in the, in the division, um, both now and, and moving forward, they still have, you know, uh, some prospects and they, their pitching staff, they look to have three or four really good young pitchers. Um, you know, Mike Soroka and Max Fried and Ian Anderson and even Kyle Wright shoved in, in game, what was that game five? Um, so it, it's, it's just, um, and, and again, they have Ronald Cunha Jr. And, and Ozzy Albies on ridiculously cheap contracts. So, I mean, does any, like, they're obviously the, the best team now and, you know, even looking five years in the future, right? You would think so. But um, for the last two seasons now, a lot of how they operate and a lot of their success is pinned to hitting on a one-year deal on a, on a really important bat they've done for the last two seasons now with Josh Donaldson and Marcelo Zuna. And, you know, I talked a little bit about um, – how one-year deals signing signing really good players to a one-year deal and just outspending everybody for them even if it's just for a year how that can really help your team um, and you've seen it with with the Braves but also say you miss on one of those uh, that could be a really really um, that, that could be a big loss to your team so I think they should bring Ozuna back on a longer deal I don't know if they will doesn't feel like how they've been operating lately but uh, they're going to have to find another bat like that because for the last two years, they, uh, they, they've hit on those one-year deals. And I, I think, you know, I don't know if you can hit on every single one of them. Um, so I, I think signing Ozuna long-term would be, would be a key. The team is obviously still really good, even without Ozuna, but uh, to make them, you know, definite top of, top of the division kind of, kind of a team. I think having that that other key bat like that is really 
is really, really important. Yeah, and I think part of them being at the top of the division too is that there's really no one um, that rivals them and how much talent they have right now. Um, the Marlins obviously made the playoffs. They have, you know, a bunch of really, really good young pitchers, Sandy Alcantara, um, Sixo Sanchez, uh, Pablo Lopez, um, you know, there some more in the minors. The, the thing with them, they don't have a lot of bats. They don't have a lot of bats coming up. Um, so they're probably going to need to buy, uh, spend some money to, to really put that team together. I mean, that's, they, they couldn't score runs against the Braves. That's why they couldn't win the, either of those games. Um, so I, I think that, um, you know, they have potential to, to be a contender really, really soon. Maybe this year was a little bit, a little bit, you know, fake, you could say because of the short season, but, um, I, I think there's, there's potential there for, for the Marlins. For sure. Yeah, they do have some uh, hitting prospects coming up. You know, we saw Chisholm at the end of the year. There's some other guys. Um, but the pitching is definitely farther along than, than the hitting, I would say, for their minor leagues. And, you know, like you said, they got to buy bats. The old Phillies uh, mantra, grow arms, buy bats, right? Uh, but they've kind of they kind of did that before this year. I think, you know, you look at Dickerson, yeah. VR, um, may, maybe they're not going to go uh, sign huge deals or anything, but I, I, I think they might continue to add to this team more than they probably have really in their history. Um, I, I don't think it's out of the question that they, uh, that they go out there and they try to complement this team. I think they're probably they were probably a little worse than their record was this year. Um, you look at some of the underlying numbers and just how they put some wins together. Uh, but I do like I've said it for a calendar year now. Probably I like I like their core. I like their young pitchers, um, and I I think that could be a dangerous team going forward. But they're going to have to they're going to have to put bats around around the the pitchers in that lineup maybe. Maybe they bring back Ozuna. Maybe they bring back Real Muto. Um, the Mets, uh, I think the, like the Mets had a really good lineup this year. Um, I just don't like, I picked them to win the division before the season. I, I like, I, don't, I never know what to make of them because on paper, they're, they're a really talented team. Um, they have some really good players. Dom Smith raped this year. Pete Alonso wasn't even good this year, but their lineup was still um, really good. They have, uh, you know, Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto. They have some really, really good players. And uh, um, maybe Syndergaard getting healthy. Maybe they they um, spend a little bit more money with the new owner this year. We'll see. But um, I, I'm just really not sure what to think of them, to make of them long term. Yeah, it doesn't. It seems to not matter who their players are. Like things just kind of go wrong for them. Um, they do. They do have a, some good. They have a core, just uh, just like some of the other teams in in this division. I, I think losing, not having Stroman this year, hurts, and he's probably going to leave. But um, I, I just think the Mets are probably, even though they're really talented, and if they went on a, a run next year and won the division, I don't think I'd be shocked. But I think they are probably a tier below um, even what the Phillies can be, I think. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, and then, you know, the Nationals, it's funny. They have the best player in the division um, in Juan Soto. I mean, and DeGrom. DeGrom's well, probably yeah, the best Yeah, probably. Player. Best position player. Um, but they're, like, their outlook right now is not, not good. I know Trey Turner is really good. Outside of that lineup, nothing really going there. Um, they're, they're spending a lot of money on Steven Strasburg until, like, his age 36 or 37 season, and you know, he didn't really pitch this year because he was hurt. And that's kind of been um, his whole career it has been injuries. So I, I, I think they right now um, probably have the worst outlook of, of any team in the division, even though, that you know, they won the World Series last year. But um, they just have a, a lot of money invested in, you know, Corbin, too. And, and I don't know, um, you know, where their direction is right now. Yeah, um, it, it did feel like they uh... – like 2019 was their last chance to really put it all together and win a championship. And they did, they went out, they went out there and they did it. They were good starting in 2012 and 2012 to 2019 is a pretty long time. Like that's a, that's a good window. They had some good teams. Um, They had some good teams during that stretch and they probably could have won another one or two. Like they were probably good enough to to do that over the course of those years. They couldn't get it done. Uh, everybody talked for a while about their lack of postseason success, but 2019, everything went right for them. Uh, they got hot after after May, and they went out there and they won the World Series. And uh, now it feels a little bit kind of like what the Cubs might become now. Like we're just seeing some of these teams reach the end of their contention windows and uh, it, it might not be pretty for them for teams yeah, that I mean, we think of as, as supposedly, you know, when you think of the Cubs, you're over the last few years, you're like, Oh, that's a, that's a good team. And when you think of the nationals, you think of them as a good team because they've been good for a while, but uh, it, it just might not go well over the next few years. They're just, they got a little bit too old and I'm not sure if the, if the people coming up are going to be able to, save them yeah i mean that's the story of the the 2012 phillies right um but uh you know with with kind of the the future stock of of all the those teams in mind how do you feel about the the phillies um moving forward i think they're probably the second best uh like well off i would say the braves are probably the top team there like we mentioned and I think the Phillies, um, they are just kind of a competent bull, bullpen away, assuming if, if they ran back the team, they'd be just a few relievers away from being a really good team, I think. And now that changes uh, if you do get injuries like you saw at the end of the year, Harper was banged up, Hoskins was out, and Real Muto was hurt. Things can change, and the Phillies don't have the depth of some other teams with guys able to plug plug holes like at a really high level but uh on the surface level the Phillies do have a good team and if they can find the find the arms to add to that I wouldn't be shocked if the Phillies won the division next year but I also wouldn't be shocked if a few things went wrong and they finished fourth it's just really tough to tell right now um they they need things to go right for them but they do as we've said a bunch they have a really good core I, I it's kind of the Kind of, they're like a little bit less of a mess version of the Mets, where they have have some good pieces and uh, they just need things to go right for them, and and 
that's what it's going to take for them to really compete with the Braves, I would think. Yeah, um, I mean, I would be surprised if they won the division only because I don't think, like, the, the lineup was really, really good this year. I don't think, like, it's going to be as good next year. They're, like, do we really see them re-signing Didi Gregorius and JT Realmuto? Like, I don't see that happening. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, all, all of what Middleton said during his presser was just kind of, um, you know, posturing or, or, or whatever. But as of now, you know, it doesn't really look positive um, in that regard. And, and, you know, they're only $60 million below the luxury tax. They're, they're not going to be able to just magically fix a bullpen, the bullpen. They're not going to be able to um, fill holes at shortstop and catcher if, if they don't bring back both of those guys. So uh, even though I, I, I do think, um, you know, the playoffs are probably going to remain expanded. Uh, there's an AP News story with, with Manfred, Rob Manfred, MLB commissioner yesterday. And he basically said he wants to expand the playoffs. Um, he, not 16 teams, but he wants to keep them expanded. And I think that that is good news for the Phillies um, because they're definitely one of those teams that in a tr- traditional year, I don't think you would expect to make the playoffs based on what we've seen the past few seasons, based on what we expect them to do this offseason. Um, if, if there's a 12 or 14 team playoff, they sneak in. Uh, maybe, you know, there are 16 teams this year and they, they didn't. Uh, the, the bullpen definitely can't be any worse next year. It's definitely, it's going to be better. It has to be. Um, yeah. It, it, can't it, has be that bad. Be. it has to be. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I do agree. They're probably the second best team in the division now and probably for the next couple of years. It's not exactly saying a ton though. Right. Exactly. I, I mean, they don't have, uh, the Braves are really good and, and there, there's not much else. Um, but, but yeah, the, the biggest thing is, is building that core, which they already have. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Definitely. Uh, ask me again after this off season, because it's, I think it's, they've done a lot the past two off seasons. This is probably their most important one. Um, yeah. For, <laughs> for the last like three, four off seasons, it's been their most important off season. Yeah. I, but it, it really is. Um, yeah. So moving into, uh, uh, our, our last little uh, little thing before we wrap things up. So the World Series, um, you know, battle between the Tampa Bay Rays and Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers took game one yesterday, eight scored eight to three. Um, you know, the, the first thing we have to talk about is Mookie Betts because it's just kind of hilarious that the Red Sox um, cried for – like Red Sox fans for 84 years, it was, oh, we were cursed because we traded, we, we sold this generational player because like the owner was kind of cheap and, and whatever else uh, happened there. And then, you know, they had finally had some success and then they pretty much did the same thing. Like I know Babe Ruth was, was like generational, generational, but like if Mike Trout didn't exist, Mookie Betts would be the best player in baseball. So um, they like did the same thing, just cheaped out. Uh, you know, it's not a matter of Red Sox or like, they traded him a year early because Betts didn't want to stay in Boston. It's a matter of they didn't want to pay him. Like the, the Dodgers extended him right away. So like he's absolutely raking. And I mean, I can't imagine watching this um, if I, you know, worked for the Red Sox or, or, you know, as a fan. Yeah. I, he's not the first time that a player has been dealt because the team didn't want to pay him. It's not the last time it's going to happen. I mean, Frankly, the Phillies are fairly likely to let a player walk 
this offseason because they just don't want to pay him what he'll get. And odds are they, if he does leave, they're not going to replace him with another big name. We see it in baseball all the time. And, and it just goes to show kind of what this Dodgers team is. Not, uh, not that the Dodgers have made every right move, but it's usually worth it to spend money on really good players because they make you better at baseball. I know that's a really novel idea, kind of just an incredibly out there idea. But uh, I think the Dodgers are showing it that when you get the best players and you sign them to the money that they would be worth on the market and you agree to a deal, it means that the good players will be on your team for a long time and they'll help you win games. It's just, it's really not that crazy of an idea. And, and teams do this to themselves all the time by not bringing back their good players uh, and signing them to the money that they're worth. And, you know, pass off to Mookie Betts. I mean, he is, he is crazy good. He is insanely good. And he got us all tacos, right? Yeah, he did. And, and some, would, some would say he was a six, he's a six tool player, right? He, uh, you know, all the five tools and he just wants it more than anyone else. Yeah, he's true. a winner. So, That's true. So yeah. Um, uh, another thing to talk about, about the game is, is well, not about last night's game specifically, um, but the Rays have two former Phillies on, on their, roster um first is is charlie morton who the phillies signed and then he made what three or four starts he got hurt hitting or bunting or something right yeah yeah um and then aaron loop who they did they pick him up off waivers or did they they trade for i think they made a uh, waiver trade okay so he i from what i remember he was pretty good they didn't use him for the phillies I mean, they didn't have him that long. They only got him in what August. Yeah. Here, this is this is what happened in his first appearance as a Philly, though. Um, I'm pretty. He faced one batter, and he hit the batter, and they took him right out. And I was at that game, and something I'll never forget that the Aaron Loops Philly debut. He pegged one batter, and they took him right out. Love that. Um, yeah, I mean. Oh, one of those the several like really fun waiver pickups like the the 2018-2019 trade deadlines were like ridiculous just like the most random names you know Wilson Ramos and Estrubal Cabrera and Jose Bautista people forget Justin Bohr you know Justin Bohr mashes and he hits without batting gloves and you know that's one of the most important things to the game of baseball um do you have any do you have any world series predictions before we wrap well, things up well hold on you're forgetting john curtis who the phillies had in their minor leagues last year and the Rays turned him into a really good reliever you think the phillies could have used that this year and i know the rays have good player player development and they turn everybody like really good somehow it doesn't it doesn't exactly make sense they but, turn guys good and then the guys leave and then are bad again it's like weird devil magic. Like, what is going on? Like, like if if you're really good for the Rays and then they just let you go, like you, most of the time you'll never be that good again. Now, now the one counterpoint to that is Travis Darno, who um, was ne- not never really that good before he went to the Rays, raked with the Rays, and then raked this year with the Braves. So, you know, there are examples, but yeah, I the my World Series predictions though. 
I'm leaning toward Dodgers in like I don't want to say a sweep, but let's go five games. Kershaw MVP. If Kershaw, Kersh, if Kershaw gets one more, you see the issue with last night's game was they took him out early because they were winning by so much, and I think that might have really killed his shot to get MVP. If it if it was a close game, I think they would have let it ride with him, and if he threw like seven seven innings, one run ball, something like that. But you can't or, let Kershaw pitch into the seventh inning in the playoffs. You can't. Ask, sure, you ask can. Matt Adams, man. Listen, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We've seen it with a, another current Dodger that that kind of uh, changed David his luck Price. in the World Series. David Price, you know, he couldn't pitch in the playoffs until he could, and uh, he he was really good for the for the Red Sox in 2018 when they won it. Probably should have gotten World Series MVP, but he didn't. Uh, I think Steve Pierce got it. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't Steve Pierce get it? Yeah, I'm pretty Whoa. sure. Wasn't he? He was gonna retire, and then he won yeah. World Series MVP. And he's like, all right, I guess I'm gonna play. He also game. he also hit for the cycle in the ALDS that year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. What a doesn't make any sense. He yeah. he was kind of like a less good Randy Rosarena, just kind of bursting. Yeah, just out of nowhere. Except uh, Rosarena's like 25, and Steve Pierce was like 38. I think. <laughs> but um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm leaning toward Dodgers in five. I want to for for um, entertainment purposes. Kershaw either has to throw like a complete game shutout or he has to blow a lead. Like I think those are the best storylines. Um, it probably ends up somewhere in the middle though. But um, if he if he throws the jam, I think they could give him the MVP. Yeah, um, I think I, I do agree. It Depends like if bets keeps going off though. Right, right. Uh, it does look like the Dodgers are the the better team i mean they're, they're the best team in baseball they've probably been the best team in baseball i know i guess probably not in 2018 because the red sox roster was absolutely stacked and and won 107 regular season games but the dodgers you know they were the best team in baseball last year and they lost in the nlds you know um so like it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win um the rays have made it this far there's no reason they can't um get some good pitching performances but you know, the Dodgers. I, I agree. I think the Dodgers probably pull it out. Glass now needs to be better than he is. He he just does. He needs a third pitch. I there are like no every pitcher, start is no, four innings. No every starting start pitcher, no no starting pitcher should just be fastball curveball. Even if like last night's curveball was not that good. But like even if it's a ridiculous fastball and a ridiculous curveball, you need something else. Um I think that's part of the problem. Like, he's, how are you going to put how are you going to put hitters away if you're just throwing the same two he's, pitches? He's plagued by the not having a third pitch of Nick Pavetta, and then the not lasting past the fourth or fifth inning of Vince Velasquez. Vince Velasquez, yes. What a, what a combo right there. Um, that's not an yeah. insult. That's good. Good stuff combined between, <laughs> the two, between the. He takes the best and worst of yeah. of those two of those two pitchers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good spot to wrap things up. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, next Wednesday, with another episode. And I think the World Series will be wrapped up by then. I think Game 7 will be Tuesday. So talk to you then. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.